Charlie Brown, host Brian Willie, along with my co-host John Kessler. Episode 66 features mental performance certified coach, author, and keynote speaker Ethan Miller. Ethan will discuss with us the value of mental performance and how unlocking and training the mind can benefit athletes holistically in all areas of their life. Also, Ethan will walk us through strategies and techniques for helping develop mentally strong athletes in all of our different organizations. This season, Intentionally Grounded is partnering with First Down Playbook. For coaches looking for a playbook software that is user-friendly and can deliver the clarity necessary to share and communicate your scheme with coaches and players alike, check out First Down Playbook. For more information, check out their website at firstdownplaybook.com. And for our listeners of our show, enter the code IGFB20 when purchasing individual or program memberships to receive a discount at checkout. Again, that code is IGFB20. Don't forget to check out our website at igfootballcoach.com for all our blog posts and podcast episodes. And check out our newly released YouTube channel that houses the video cast version of our podcast episodes as well along with additional content related to leadership, football, and coaching development. Season 3, Episode 16 of Intentionally Grounded with Ethan Miller starts now. Ethan, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, my name is Ethan Miller. I am a uh, <clears throat> high school athletic director. I am a mental performance coach. I also teach classes in character and leadership and um, have been in the business of education for 16 years and also that of um, being a men's performance coach for the past two years where I work with one-on-one athletes, where I work with uh, teams and um, from the collegiate to the high school and also athletes at the professional level on controlling the six inches that are most important in their life. And that is the six inches between their ears. So I've been a, um, um, so for my, my background is high school wise, I grew up in Humboldt, Iowa, town about 5,000 people, uh, played four sports. Um, and had a great high school experience. I had an opportunity to be involved with so many different people um, that were influential in my life that allowed me to then invest in me and to help me become the person I am today. Um, After high school, I went to Northwestern College in Orange City, Iowa, and played baseball there where I had the opportunity to uh, compete for some great coaches and play with some great teammates um, where I made uh, All-American my junior year and then also was has recently been inducted into the Northwestern College Athletic Hall of Fame um, in 2013. Um, after that, um, I got a job at North Central Community School District in Manly, Iowa in 2004 and was teaching high school physics education, uh, also head baseball coach and assistant football coach where I held that position for uh, seven years, and then after our schools consolidated with the neighboring district, I was then able to then continue my role as head baseball coach, um, assistant football coach, and then I eventually transitioned to do the athletic director position. And uh, from there, I uh, was head baseball coach. I have been for the past 15 years, in which I recently <clears throat> resigned after this past season in order to focus in on um, this next path of my life has been to live my life's mission and to positively impact and influence the lives of those in which I serve and to then I'll give them an experience that I needed as a high school and collegiate athlete where I battled with perfectionism. I worked my tail off. I was one of uh, the hardest working, um, you know, successful, but also um, mentally challenged athletes there was. I was the one that was going to continue to chase points. I was going to chase batting average. I was going to chase stats. and was a big 
believer in comparisons where um, as an athlete, I would um, measure what I did versus against what other people did. And a good performance in athletic competition was almost a relief versus that of a celebration. And if I played well, I want to be seen by everybody. I want everyone to see me and tell me how great I did. And if also I was one that did not do well, I was going to hide. And then I was like the kid in bench warmers who's hiding in the closet, eating sunscreen and shying myself away from the world because I hung my performance based upon my own personal ego and belief. And so the work that I do now was allowing people to then bridge that gap from where they are to where they want to be. And it's a perception. It's a lens in which we look through allowing them to then become that best version of themselves, knowing that that has no finish line and that all we can do is give our best effort and give our best strategy to implement in daily life to then become that person that we're destined to become. Ethan, who are some of your biggest influences growing up from a leadership development standpoint and why? So in my high school at Humboldt High School, my high school football coach, Dan McClanahan, who passed away um, back about six years ago, he uh, was a person for me that was one that allowed me to then um, focus on those things that, again, he taught me about control that I can't control, taught me about being the person I was, you know, destined to become. And he always used to tell us, you know, much like your parents would tell you things, um, you know, that uh, you often repeat and make fun of and laugh at at holiday events. But our my high school football coach used to always say, gentlemen, if you always tell the truth, you never have to get your story straight. And we always would be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when he passed away, many of us would tell those same, same exact stories. And, um, and, and that's the, the impact that he had made upon us. He introduced me to visualization and mental imagery before it was actually a thing. Back in, you know, I graduated high school at Humboldt in 1999. And this is something that was very, very taboo. And within the mindset and development of individuals, there's something that was like, well, you know what? Yeah, you, you know, you're kind of born mentally tough. Either you are or you aren't. And so he was a huge impact for me. When I went to Northwestern College, had the opportunity to be around incredible um, human beings within uh, that of uh, you know, Dave Nonemacher, who was my college baseball coach for the first two years. Um, got introduced to my best friend and a longtime um, you know, accountability partner, Matt McCarty, who has been on this podcast, um, who had the opportunity to work with his staff and his team at Northwestern College Football. And then also so many people within um, – the football, basketball, baseball. And that's a beautiful thing about small college that you get the opportunity to um, intertwine and intermingle with guys that have, you know, at the division one level, you probably, you know, division two level, you're not going to see that where we're the, the coaches in their offices are all around each other all the time. And from there we have the, to the, the chance to then talk and, and work with different athletes and become uh, develop those uh, great relationships and friendships. And then also then the teachers that I had within my physical education and health uh, major that really taught me about servant leadership that taught me that it's not about you. And as a young person, I was very, very ego driven. And I mentioned earlier, it's like, you know, the personalization of performances and that that's one of the greatest um, sort of deficiencies that we have as individuals that we hang our self worth based upon our performance. And what is it we do? Um, would it be a stat line? Would it be a salary? Would it be a, you know, a, a title or something that, that we have a position within our business organization is that we're more than that. Right. And that sports and coaching and all that is it's, it's what we do. It's not who we are. But the challenging part, even today, 
especially so many athletes and coaches who are having to have been rerouted and detoured whether they didn't want to or not as, a, as what's going on in the world today is, yeah, you know, sports are like not, you know, what it's what you do, but it's not who you are. But at the same time is that who you are is as a result of your experience within sports and that are within people. And so to try to take a step back and see that from the 10,000 foot view and say, you know what, this is often bigger. And we have an opportunity as coaches, we have an opportunity as um, those as teammates to really target the player before, or excuse me, the person before the player. And to say to them, like, you know, what, we, your well-being and who you are matters way more than any specific stat line, than any specific team that you're on, first team, second team, you know, bench, you know, scout team, whatever it may be, is that everybody matters within the program, everybody matters that your life comes in contact with. Um, and then my greatest mentor that I have, uh, is, is Brian Kane, who is, in my opinion, the, great, the top mental performance and leadership coach that there is. Um, he kind of took me under his wing six years ago <clears throat> and lit a fire that was already burning, but he threw jet fuel on top of it. It's like, you know, how good can you be? He challenged me. Uh, we wrote, uh, co-authored a book together titled The Mental Game of, of Athletic Administration. And from there, we have developed a really cool relationship. And then with his, uh, his business, as far as like who works with the top UFC fighters, top Division One athletic programs, um, and, and that uh, he's, he's really taken me underneath his wing a little bit and showed me the strategies because he can't be everywhere and that he's allowed me to then give what it is that I, that he is, has learned throughout the course of his um, 20 years in the field of applied sports psychology. And now the guy's never taken a single sports psychology class my entire life is actually how to relate to the athletes, what they're dealing with, because I was in that specific position. I was a guy that battled again, perfectionism comparisons, um, didn't know how to live in the present moment as best as possible. So, um, and then also the, the people I've had a chance to work with um, in the field <clears throat> over the past uh, couple of years um, within uh, the, the teams and the coaches. And it's been an honor to see these people who are service-minded, who are humble, who want to provide the best um, service to their individual athletes, who have no pride, no ego, just growth. Let's get better. Let's improve. And uh, that just gets me fired up and jacked to more than else. Ethan, Brian and I are both high school coaches and you're a high school athletic director. How big of an issue is mental performance and leadership in today's athletic programs, especially at the high school level? I mean, that's a lot of our kids need the first things that you've said in the first 10 minutes here are things that Brian and I are probably both instantly running guys through our head who can he, need to hear this message, need to hear exactly what you just said. How big of an issue is this in, in today's athletic programs? And, and why is it the way it is? Am I, it's the missing link. Excuse me, the missing link. It's, it's clear cut. I mean, it, the reality and the, the data behind mental health within our young people today is staggering. Uh, one in five of our student athletes are going to suffer from some form of mental, um, you know, we could call it disability in the course of their year would be anxiety or depression and some of that swing dependent upon situations, dependent upon circumstances. And, you know, anxiety is obsession with the future. Depression is obsession with the past. And so what we've got to be able to do is allow these individuals to be focused on what matters most. And that is the present moment to be where their feet are to execute this play, this rep, this moment at a time. And too often is that we have athletes from the football perspective 
<clears throat> and working with some of the, you know, some, you know, division one football players and guys who are all Americans at the, you know, NEIA division two level um, top recruits in the, in the country um, that are still in high school is how can they best immerse themselves in the present? Because the past is history. The future is a mystery. Today is a gift. So why it's called the present. And we've got to be so immersed in the right here, right now. We cannot be in the third quarter as a quarterback and upset about our completion percentage in a throw that we missed in the first quarter that would have led to a sixth. We've got to be able to not focus on that, that missed tackle in the second quarter and to be present with and trusting our routines and trusting our process, which allows us to get to what you need to do right here, right now. And so that is what's, what's important about the mindset is that there are so many things that, that takes place that we have got to latch ourselves into. And that motivation literally is about 10% of what does I do. And that, yeah, it's fun. I can get, you know, college guys or anybody like that to break karate boards, their head and eat fire and like do all sorts of really cool stuff to get them jacked up. However, motivation is what gets you started. Commitment is what keeps you going. When it's fourth and one and you've got to make a play, you've got to make that block, you need to do your job, that YouTube video or that song is not going to be in your head. It's going to be what's taken place in the past or what you're focusing on the future allows you to then hone it into right here, right now. In the game of football, um, one of the recent studies I saw was that, like in an NFL football game, the entire length of time of a football game as far as action is you know, from seven to nine minutes. Yet a game lasts about four hours. High school-wise, would be, you know, yeah, we've got, you know, 12-minute quarters and, you know, the halftime, and then also then, you know, if there's a running clock, continuous clock. But where the mental game lies is after the whistle's blown. And how then do we redirect to get back in what matters most and is this play whether it be an offensive series we're trying to we're trying to lock in on 75 to 100 snaps defense trying to limit to 75 or less and there might see hey there's three to four key plays that take place in a game that are continued to be like these are big plays but we don't know those plays are so we've got to be ready for every single play with the right focus and with the right mindset because we do not have to be great at every snap just this one and how to then get this right so they can then execute in the best way humanly possible, release, refocus, and then get to the next play. Okay. And so there are four myths that we, that we talk about when I teach this about regarding mindset. Number one is people are born mentally tough. They either have or they don't. Well, if you open up any sort of Facebook feed about a recent birth of a child, oh my gosh, look at you know, baby James, oh, he's beautiful. He's incredible. He's just so healthy, but he's mentally weak. and We'll have to deal with that. Now, you're either trained or untrained. Yes, your environment can help, you know, frame you into the person you are today. Yes, your um, external um, sort of influences, but it's about training and that it makes no difference. Take Roger Bannister, who, like, you know, when he broke the four-minute mile barrier, it was thought that his brain, his eyes were going to explode, his heart was going to explode, and when he crossed the finish line, everybody looked at him, and he just walked off with hard breathing, like, ooh, wait a minute. Maybe there's something we were missing here. Well, because we have this belief system, that self-limiting belief that we don't have what it takes. And so we're not born mentally tough. We are trained or untrained. The second thing is mental toughness is developed by working harder than the competition. Now, we can be working really hard, which a lot of people do. 
But if you're not working hard at the right things, you're just getting worse faster. Just because you're rocking your tail off in a rocking chair doesn't mean you're making any progress. And this is a mistake that I made as an athlete. And a lot of the athletes I work with is like, you know, they just train, 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 train. It's all about the physical. If you ask any, if, if coaches were to ask their athletes what percentage of their sport they believe to be mental, it is staggering amount that they say is mental. It is going to be highly above 60% or more. And from there, what they're able to do is and say, okay, well, if my athletes believe that 70 to 80% or at least 60 plus is mental, how much of that is being invested into then training the mind? So what we do is we just we focus on the X and O's, we focus on the physical, and what they need to do if a kid doesn't show up for weights because he's mentally weak, well, there might be a lot more things in play than that. Third thing is nothing I can do to speed the process of developing mental toughness. Well, you can do so by then investing in the right sort of focus and study within that. And for the, there's not enough time in the day to implement a mental performance program is mental performance, I want you to think about this. With mental performance is, <clears throat> It's not just another thing to add to your plate. Think about this. What if the mindset and mental performance of your kids and athletes and even that of your coaches, what if that is the plate? What if that is the foundation in which everything is built? And from there, we can add the physical component of like strength and conditioning. We can add then the you know, uh, you know, the, the scheme that we're trying to implement, we're trying to then, Hey, here's your reads, here's your sore keys. And we just keep building on top of that. Plus the academic side, plus our social emotional side. What if the mental uh, component is the plate in which everything is added? And so <clears throat> we've got to be able to then lock in and what it is that we can control and do what matters most and how to train and develop that space that's in between their ears. Ethan, so how do we get student athletes now to invest in this mental performance, um, whether it be through leadership or just through mental performance development? How do we make sure that those kids see how worthwhile this mental performance commitment could be for them? Well, there's, there's a, I mean, every single person has a gap, a gap for a gap where they are and a gap to where they, the person they want to become. And so that gap is about a strategy that weird just might be just one away. We might just be one specific strategy or thought that's going to allow them to bridge that gap. And I had the opportunity uh, a couple of years ago to work with Kyler Murray at the University of Oklahoma who's playing baseball um, when I was there with Brian Kane. And Kyler Murray had a gap. And he ends up being a first-round draft pick and Heisman Trophy winner and number one overall draft pick in the NFL. And his deal was like, yeah, he's not very vocal. And this guy was a, the most incredible human being that you've ever had a chance to talk with. But he's like, eh, I'm just not very vocal. I just kind of do my thing. But it's not as far as like him being the rah-rah, jump on top of the table guy, but it's more of his when he speaks, people are to listen because it mattered. And everybody, it's about, you know, every athlete is an actor on a stage. And when it comes down to then how to get an athlete to buy in, it's so much better when the coaches are the ones that are driving this. Because from the athlete side is they're going to then, again, take on the, take on the, uh, behaviors and take on the mindset of the coach that's leading them. And so as coaches, it's important to be at the forefront. I think at the high school level, um, it's really easy for coaches to get caught into while well, the players that come into our program, they are labeled this or this, and I'm going to just take what I can to do with them. You get to the collegiate or high school level, these coaches are more dependent upon like, I got to find that edge. I got to find that next piece because my job depends on it. If I don't recruit the right kids for our program and get them in and develop the way we need to, my job is on the line. And so within 
high school coach, and I challenge this is that to take on the law of that of the or the rule of the uh, the lettuce farmer. If a lettuce, um, you know, sort of crop doesn't produce, you know, you know, blame the lettuce. I say, well, the lettuce sucks. It's just not that. Yes, we know there are some kids that you know have a lot of different things in their life that are just going to not allow them to then get to where they need to be. I understand that. We just got to meet them where they're at. We love them. We're going to care for them. Provide a great experience because not not everybody goes out for a sport that is going to then um, try to get a college scholarship. That's not going to try to then make all state status. It's not even trying to make all district or all, all conference status. Is they're there for a very different reason. But also within that, the lettuce farmers, we don't just blame the lettuce and say it sucks. We say, hey, you know what? Let's look at the pH level. Let's look at the precipitation. Let's look at the humidity. Let's look at the, all these different factors and say, you know what? Maybe this is why this didn't produce what we needed to. And so that's about being humble. That's about being uh, driven by um, purpose and service and understand what your individual life's mission is. And <clears throat> so when you think of like, that of the coach is if you think about the FedEx, um, the FedEx truck and there's the FedEx logo and there are people that are going to be listening to this podcast. So I challenge you the next time that you see a FedEx logo, when as you maybe listen to this, who's driving, you're going to be passing by a truck with that specific logo. And can you see the arrow that is inside the FedEx logo? Well, if you're like, I'm not quite sure where that's at. Well, if you look between the E and the X of FedEx, there's an arrow. And so then when you see that, you then cannot unsee it. And then there's two things that happen. One, you realize that there are arrows inside of me. There's arrows that are inside my players that I've got to allow them to then see and to then build and structure practice, build and structure training that's gonna allow them to see those specific arrows. And number two, you're gonna think of me you're going to think of this podcast and it's also, it's a win-win for everybody that's also involved. Right. And so <clears throat> there are, when it comes down to mindset and mental performance training is that there's four stages of buy-in one. It's not for me. Yeah. 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 I understand. I should take a breath, maybe pre-snap. Yes. I should lock into my, um, you know, mindset as far as being elite and recognizing that this is the only moment that matters. Be where my feet are. Mm, it's not for me. Stage two, you recognize that mm, it's for others. Yeah, I see other people doing this. I see other people like, you know, clapping their hands, tapping their helmet, and refocusing on the next play, wiping their hands off in their towel. And this uh, folks on the top of the top right of the goalpost to allow it to bring presence back, having to talk about, hey, so what, next play? Eh, it's for others. Stage three, I'll try it. I'll give it a shot. I'll do my best to implement a performance routine that happens either before practice, in practice, post-practice. So when I put my uniform on, as far as developing my routine, I'm transitioning from Clark Kent into Superman. And that when I'm a student athlete and I'm walking into, into the practice facility, I'm going to shed off my clothes and fold them up with purpose and intention. And as I put them inside my locker, I'm going to say, my personal student uh, problems and issues are going to stay here and remain. But then once I put on my uniform, I'm taking on a different persona. I'm then transitioning from Clark Kent into Superman. I'm going to go out there and attack and be purpose-driven, be action-based, and not be and focus on my function versus my feelings, no matter what happens in my life. But then after then practice happens, I'm then going to then shed that specific part of my life, put back on my clothes of a student-athlete, and then take those issues back on. I'll give it a try. Stage four, how did I do this any other way? How did I think that I could separate the two when in fact, they're just different personas? 
there's different parts of my life, which where focus goes, energy flows. And when I focus on the right things, it gives me a greater chance to get the results and the outcome that matters the most. How does someone practice the minimum performance? Because we talked about, you know, if you create your plate and we have coaches that will, will create this environment, right? So you have this environment, I'm, I'm buying into this. You know, we're going to do this. We're not going to be product-based. We're going to be process-based. How do you then take that mindset and begin to practice it? So, and that's one of the, you know, the myths of like, it's just another thing, you know, nothing on my plate where within mental performance, it's not a practice as much as a lifestyle and that it is a lifestyle, not an event. And it's something that you make a part of your everyday life. And so it is about a system and how you create systems in your everyday life from when you wake up at the AM to what you're doing as far as your execution for waking up, you know, with, uh, you know, and making your bed, hydrating, eating real food for breakfast, um, what you read, and then what you do as far as planning your day from waking up to when you go to bed, and that everything is that you do is going to be beneficial for those people that you serve, because it's not about you. And it's a service mindset is that, um, you know, Mark Twain said a best one of my favorite quotes of all time is this, is that the most important day of your life is one, the day you're born and two, the day you understand why. And that all of us got into coaching and got into, you know, teaching education where it may be for a very, very specific reason. And yes, because we love the sport, but more than that, we love people. And, and so when it comes down to then what we do is that, you know, it's, you know, speaker versus system and to get people to understand that it is a system that you have in place. And a system is about save yourself stress, time, energy, and motivation. And that the system that is in place is then going to allow you to then develop a process. Well, process is something in athletics we hear about all the time. Trust the process. You know, the process is this. Well, if we can't describe what a process is, then we don't have one. It doesn't mean it's bad. But, okay, what is our process for teaching focus and awareness? What is our process for teaching mental um, imagery and visualization? What is our process for leadership? And what is going to be, is it something that we're just checking off the box or something that we're very, very, very intentional about? And so when you start thinking about what is that, how we implement that, is that it's, it's something you do or is it more that what you become? And mental performance takes over every aspect of your life. It's your relationships. It's how you communicate. It's how you carry yourself. It is being aware of your body language. It is being aware of where your focus is. It's your self-talk. And there are specific strategies that you can then implement in your daily life. Because when it comes down to this is that the mindset of our athletes is the greatest source of frustration amongst all coaches. And we then label people. And I've done this as a coach myself as well. I mean, I was very, very ego driven as until you know better. And then when I started peeling back more and more and more as far as what the potentials and possibilities are for what we can do with our athletes, it became less about than what they do because any, any gap that happens in a person's everyday life is going to show up in the field. You know, when it's, when it's, you're just physically better than somebody else, you can get away with it. But when it's good on good and when, you know, stakes are high and pressure's up, is that how can we then be at our best when it matters the most? Because when stuff starts hitting the fan, that's when we need this. And within even our world today, that how many athletes that I've had to deal with or, and, and had the pleasure of working with who've had their seasons cut short, not just at the um, high school level, 
but also that of the collegiate level who are, who are collegiate seniors who now are going, well, yeah, I might get my fifth year of eligibility as a, as a uh, softball player or a golfer, but I have to go through my entire another school year just to get to that or the unknowns of what is going to happen within the season of a high school athlete. And so that is where this matters the most. And it gives you something to go to. It gives you something then to latch onto because there's so many people, even in our world today, that feel like they're falling down a hill and they're trying to grab onto something that's going to keep them from falling off a cliff. Well, the mindset, the mental performance, the strategies and systems that we have in place are then going to allow them when they grab on that root system is going to be steadfast. It's going to be deep. It's going to allow them to pull themselves up and move themselves back up to the top of the hill. So what I do is that I don't focus with any of the teams I work with is <clears throat> on the X's and O's. That's not for me. It would be a volleyball team, a basketball team, a softball team, a football team. The X's and O's are for the coaches. I am there as a support system to them to focus on how to get their minds right and how then to teach and give them strategies to maximize practice, to maximize timeouts, to maximize uh, pregame, to maximize halftime, to that every single part of what we do is efficient and is embedded in what's happening. So it's not this rah, rah, sis, boom, bah sort of uh, um, approach. It is okay, when we break and then we have a timeout and we have um, that's uh, on the field and our D coordinators run on the field, how can we organize our huddle to be as effective and efficient as humanly possible so that they can get the message across to get these guys to dial in after they've gotten their drinks to make sure that we use timeout better than anybody else. When we have our 15 minutes of halftime, how can we then structure and break down halftime to where they're going to then use halftime better than anybody else that we're up against? And so that is what this is essentially all about is to allow them to go beyond the X's and O's to focus on what's happening within the athletes to relay within the coaches. And the, the best, the best approach is me coaching the coaches. So that when their voice is being spoken to the athletes, it is going to be reflected upon what our mission and purpose is as providing and creating champions of the character to succeed for life on and off the field. A lot of coaches who are going to listen to this podcast um, are inheriting programs that are probably in, in rougher shape than they would like them to be. And so many of them are looking for that golden ticket that's going to help them transform a downtrodden program. So what would you say to those uh, coaches who are looking at mental performance as being the key that's going to help them produce individuals who are able to help them transform their culture and their program? Yeah, no doubt. And there are a lot of guys who can be listening to this that, hey, you know, with within my own individual coaching journey um, as in baseball, I, I had a program that was that down. It was downtrodden, but we had great people involved and you just have to train them appropriately and recognize that mental performance is not a magic pill. It is not this, it's not wizardry. It's not, you know, Jedi mind tricks. It is something that's going to then give them something to go to and give you something as a coach as far as where our focus is, because we have to start measuring things in an entirely different way. And our process that we go step by step by step along the way is something that is going to be towards the initial target as far as we want it to do. And so we have these telescope goals and then we have these microscope goals. Microscope, what I need to do right now, right here, telescope, where is I'm going? And sometimes it's really hard. And it, when I say it's not a magic pill, it's, it takes time. And the more you invest into the work, the more you realize that there's more that can be done as far as creating those individuals and better people create better 
players. And football is just the medium and just the avenue for us to then impact the lives of others. Because again, football and coaching is what we do. It's not who we are. And we've got to create men and create individuals. We've got to impact our managers. We've got to impact our trainers. We're going to carry much more important labels as husband, father, wife, um, spouse, employee, to be a positive member of their communities so they can continue to then make an impact. And so within mental performance, it's one going to compete, allow you to compete better in the present moment where it matters most. All the action that needs to happen in life and where the magic is, is right here in the present where our feet are. And that when talent is equal too, when talent is equal, your mindset is a separating factor. It's how we take on adversities, how we take on obstacles, it's how we take on challenges and the framework that we will look at it. When adversity strikes, that is going to be the test. When we see obstacles, you know, when others see obstacles, we see opportunities. The challenges that we have are going to allow us to then become champions. And that allows us also then three to the framework to compensate and adjust. Because we can't predict the events that happen in our life. Many of us have heard the um, math problem E plus R equals O. The events in our life, with our response is then going to equal our outcome. And we've got to learn how to respond appropriately by controlling what we can control. We can't control officials. We can't control the other team. We can't control the weather. We can't control the field conditions. We can't control though the focus and awareness and discipline that we have in the moment to go and execute one snap at a time. And if we do that, the results are going to take care of itself. If we're so focused that we're not going out in there and trying to win a game, no, 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 we're just going out here and try to win the snap. And if we win this snap, good. Next snap, refocus, let's go with the next one. So what, we had success, awesome. Next snap, next play, let's go get it. So that then in the end, rule of compound effect, everything adds up over time, then we're gonna get ourselves closer to the end result. But the more we focus on outcome, the less outcome we actually get. We're focused on our process, our preparation, our planning, our routines, what we do in this moment where our feet are. Let's give us the greatest chance then to go out and get as we need to do. Ethan, I want to transition the conversation just a little bit from <laughs> what you do to really who you are. What future goals do you have and what are some of the personal goals that you'd like to accomplish as a mental performance coach and a leader? And, you know, the reason I'm, I'm so passionate about this is because this is something, again, that I needed. And I, I was a guy that would beat myself up. I would <clears throat> um, tear myself up. If a game was um, good, I would celebrate it for a split second until I started worrying about the next one. If it was something that was a poor performance, I'm going to relive it over and over again in my mind. And I recognize that. You know, within that perfectionism, there are a lot of our athletes that have that. And when we start seeing, we talk within where a person is mentally, emotionally, is we use signal lights. We have red lights, yellow lights, green lights. Green lights, I am in control. All is good. I go out and play, do my thing. It's fine. And then yellow lights, I feel myself kind of teetering. Well, I feel like I might be losing control, but I'm, I'm still pretty good. Red lights, I've lost it. I've lost control. And when we are then in red lights, we become three types of people. We become prayerful, whereas like, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please. Don't hit the ball my way. Don't have the ball come my way. Don't have anything happen that I need to step up because, oh, please, oh, please, let's make this happen. We become, um, uh, we, so we, get, we have uh, prayerful. Also, we become 
perfect. Whereas we're trying to then like, okay, everything's fine. Everything's fine. We're all good. That's no problem. Just, just keep what I'm supposed to do. And we're on edge that way. Or we become primal where we get angry. We get ticked off. We start operating and our fuse is completely blown. And anger is a legitimate emotion. However, when we start experiencing anger, if we were to put the letter D in front of that, then we have danger. And so for allowing then the experience that I've had is few of my fire to then give this to then athletes so they can have an experience that they are proud of and to recognize that there's also a level of focus and there's a level of perspective to have with what they do. And that what we learn from what we learn from coaching, what we learn from relationships is we get so much more from that. And it's a part of our life. It's a part of our being. And that's really hard then to separate that. And so for me is if I can continue to empower coaches, to empower athletes, to empower those to see it through the right lens and to then execute one snap, one pitch, one possession, one race, one blank at a time. So I can live my mission as far as making a positive impact and influence the lives of those I serve. I'm in a position of service. At times, I feel like I'm standing on the shoulders of giants and those people that have come before me to allow me to become the person I am today. And I owe that to others. And that's why many of these guys are listening to this podcast looking for that edge. They're looking for that next piece as far as how can they deepen their impact. I'm telling you, when you can target the heart, when you can target the mind, you're then going to unlock and unleash a different sort of beast. And that we hear the word elite, we hear this, you know, that's thrown around with a lot of travel sports and teams, but there's an elite level that happens and it's as a result of the behaviors. And people experience our beliefs through our behaviors. And when we are showing that and our beliefs and behaviors are in alignment, that's a win. We're okay with that. And if we can show up every single game, every single practice, and give all we have, no matter what is we have, because not every day we're going to feel 100%. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, I hey, I'm good or bad. It's good and bad. It's just a matter of, matter of to focus in on. And, hey, do I, if I'm feeling 60% today, hey, baby, let's go to battle to that 60% and give every single thing that you have. Because at the end of it all, when we walk away, we can be proud of that and say, hey, Pre-game, I lock in. Post-game, I let go and then refocus on the next opportunity. And so it is an honor privilege for every single team and every single athlete that I get the chance to serve and to see them excel in ways that I was not able to as an athlete is why I feel that that was the most important day, the second most important day, like Mark Twain talked about, was born. And when I see the athletes I get the opportunity to work with and serve experience that, to me, baby, that's a high you can't buy that that is something that is continues to fuel me and drive me and allow me to provide something that's very, very unique as a result of the service to other people. Oh, Ethan, you're also um, the author of two books, uh, the keys to, or the six keys to leading with intention and living a life of purpose. So give our listeners just a little brief overview about what went into your purpose behind writing these books and then what our listeners can expect if they were to go pick them up themselves. Um, this started was, uh, with Brian Kane and he was training for a full Ironman. And I'll tell you this, uh, listeners that be careful what you say no to, or what you say you can't do, because there is a door of opportunity that you never know could lead you down. And so I was in Las Vegas 
uh, with Brian for an AD convention. He was training for a full Ironman, and him and his uh, director of operations needed to get a 16-mile uh, trial or training run in. And so we just got done playing blackjack until about 2 o'clock in the morning, closed it down as we were staying uh, at, uh, you know, Bally's. And the next morning, we took an Uber to a park in the middle of Las Vegas that was about a half mile in circle, and we ran that for three-some hours. And the first that I ran in my life was 10 miles at that point in time. Him and I ran these 16 miles. I had a conference leadership summit to speak to, and I was we were going back and forth as far as what this was going to look like. Um, he gives some suggestions. I give some suggestions back and forth. I asked too much. That sounds like you. I need this to make it sound like me. And then at the end, we came down with then these six keys to leading with intention, which key number one is make today count. Key number two, functional over feeling. Key number three, principles over preference key number four you become your habits key number five bring the energy and key number six two plus two equals five which is not a screwed up math problem you have to read the book to figure it out but it's about synergy and so we started the study he said you man you need to write a book on this so he connected me with his author excuse me his uh um, editor and then his uh we went from there and uh it launched it's been we sold over 2500 copies it's in a bunch of different schools and also athletic programs as far as their leadership training and development programming. And then I, you know, give keynotes upon that within different school districts and organizations, now to then strengthen their actions and functions and how to then train their behaviors. And then from that, it was a follow-up to the <clears throat> Living a Life of Purpose. And then the third book in the series will be launched in fall of 2020. So start with the six keys, move into then Living a Life of Purpose and then from there, you have to wait until fall 2020 to get the final installation.